Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about something called generic RPGs. Is that what we're talking about? That's yeah. what he told me. <laughs> yeah, generic RPGs. I'm, I just wanted to look at a few of them and think about you know, how good are they at handling anything that you could throw at them, right? That's what generic RPGs are for, in my mind. Okay, I'm with you. Okay. So for uh, me, I noticed that the first one you didn't write down. So the first one, oh, I I only went by my recollection and what I remember and ones I've really had a lot of experience with. And you came up with one that I hadn't I hadn't thought of. I thought it came out later, but it's called Basic Role Playing BRP for short. Now this is the same system that runs called Cthulhu, right? Which is Chaosium's flagship game, but actually. This comes from the system called, what, what was he said? Rune, RuneQuest? BRP was a, a cut down version of Chaosium's RuneQuest. Yeah, which is weird because I remember RuneQuest. I remember seeing it all the time when I was younger at the store, uh, right there alongside with AD&D and stuff. And we just didn't pick it up because we're like, why are you going to, me and my brother, I guess, we thought, why are we going to buy a different role, fantasy role playing game when we were looking at like Top Secret and Different genres. Right, in Gamma World, right? Yeah. So I guess, you, you said, what year did that thing come out? Uh, BRP came out in 1980. Wow. I don't have exactly, I don't know when RuneQuest came out. Well, RuneQuest was earlier than that, like 77, 76. Well, there you go. But it's weird because I've never played RuneQuest. I don't think I've ever even looked at RuneQuest uh, rulebook. Which doesn't really mean anything, people, because he's got enough books that... It's possible there I gotta are add it to my few. list of, of, of game books, honey. It's a classic. <laughs> it's possible there are a few he doesn't have. <laughs> I put down GURPS, right? Mm-hmm. And GURPS in, in the name itself is called the generic universal, universal role-playing games. From what I hear, there's the stories that they say is that that was like a BS code name that they came up with just to, until they figured out a good name for it. You know, a cool, snazzy name. So what's the what's the fascination or, or appeal of generic role-playing systems? The appeal is that you learn one system and you don't ever have to learn another system ever. Ever. I don't think that's appealing to you because you like to learn every <laughs> system that has possibly been created. My problem is, I don't know what my problem is, but I definitely... I don't think it's a problem. My situation... <laughs> Is that I have that disease where I want to f- experience different ways of running a role playing game, you know? And I want to say a disease, but that I, th- I think it's more that search for the perfect. Yes, we, like we the have search for the perfect game, the search for the perfect system. We did. We we did a podcast on that. Where that I think that what drives a lot of people who collect, and I'm using air quotes. You know, I have probably over 100 RPGs on our book. Uh, go up higher, sweetie. I don't know, because some of them are supplements to the books. I'm going to go with at least 200, <laughs> plus all the PDFs that you have. Oh, the PDFs don't count. Oh, <laughs> Those are charities. It, it, PDFs charities. count. <laughs> don't even count. Because, well, you know, I did the, they did a, what, the yes. 80 back in the, I don't know when that was. That was like five years ago. And every once in a while, they'll have those charity things. And I'll well, yeah, I'll throw money at a charity. And, I, and they do. You know, Doctors Without Borders, you know, things that I fully support. And if I throw 20 books at them and they say, you know, you know, 90% of the money goes to that, I'm going to go, yeah. 
and all these other artists. Which is fine because then when I go into drive PR, when I go to drive through, through RPG and I say, hey, Saul, I would like to <laughs> <coughs> look for this. He goes, oh, I think I already bought it. So all I have to do is type in what I'm looking for. You have this in your library. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, so we already did buy it. <laughs> and then I just download it again because he hasn't read it. He hasn't read half well, don't, of Well, I don't even download it. Sometimes. He doesn't even download it. <laughs> I don't even know what I have. Okay, so let's go back. So, so that's, that's your quest for... That's the opposite of a generic role playing system where you're only going to learn one game, one system. Which well, I think that's I don't the, believe that's that. the major appeal. I think I don't. I don't. I, I believe it is an appeal. I don't believe that a, G, a DM or a GM is going to stick with just one system. I well, there's people who've only played D and D and and that's all they've played since 1976. Well, uh, some people probably played a couple, <laughs> but from the 80s on, I've said there's some people. You know, who just never played uh, anything else other than D&D. I find that hard to believe, it's but I, I do. I, I guess uh, I, okay. I hear it every once in a while. But see, I think a lot of that comes from some, certain people don't want to go through the rigmarole of learning new rules, right? Oh, I know how that is. Yes, yeah, see, me. we don't like... Board games. Yes. We, the us and Stephen Kathy, our friends, we usually get new board games and we sit at the table and luckily youtube has all these videos on how to play stuff and the guy and a guy will read you the rules because when it comes to us reading the rules it's like a a torture process because steve never reads anything the same way we do well not only that we do it totally the wrong way right we get a new <laughs> game and we're like let's play this and we're like no that's not the way you're supposed to do it what you're supposed to do is you get a new game you unbox it carefully and make a video maybe and then what you do is you go through by yourself, you read the rules and you play through the game like a first, you know, uh, a that first, never happens. A first turn. No, people who properly know how to f- properly learn how to play games do that. We don't. We and then you know we're all, you know, usually it's like almost the last game of the night, and we get this wild, crazy idea to try a new game. And no, Saul and Kathy get this wild, crazy <laughs> idea to try a new game. Well, we're the ones that buy games. So, <laughs> so let's get back on track here, honey. I know you're trying to. You're getting off track. Sorry. <laughs> Usually it's me. You were talking about rule systems. Uh, yeah, yes. So rules, for some people, don't they really don't like to learn them. And sometimes rule systems for RPGs are can be kind of complicated, you know. People look at Dungeons and & Dragons and say, oh my God, that's like so complicated. I agree. It See? is complicated sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's some games that are more complicated than that, right? I think that is a turnoff for a lot of people so if they can just learn one system and then oh i want to play a star wars like a game well, you can use that system or i want to play a, a medieval game or i want to play an investigative game boom you know you could use or cowboys same. and dinosaurs cowboys <laughs> and dinosaurs whatever so for me GURPS was the first one that i looked at that i remember seeing it had that stupid title i'm like what's GURPS?" <laughs> right it sounds like a stomach disease <laughs> <laughs> whatever it sounds like so I kind of quickly listed some things that GURPS is for me. And for me, it's crunchy. A lot of people complain that it's super crunchy. And I would admit that it can look daunting a little bit. But for a role player who's playing for a while, it's not that difficult of a game to, to grasp. For, for a plus or a minus, depending on how you want to look at it, it only uses D6s. You roll three six-sided dice to determine if you hit, miss, succeed or fail at the that's the core mechanic as a dice lover i i don't like that right 
There's no character classes. And this is something that's going to be evident in almost all these generic role-playing games. There's no character classes because, because that's just the way they're built. Which is great if you have your idea for making a character, right? Correct. There's a ton of settings for GURPS. There's Steve Jackson puts out... I remember, you know, years ago, uh, back before it's in this latest edition, they would... Uh, they had, I think, I don't know what edition. I think it's GURPS' is fourth edition now, but second and third edition, they had they had all these setting books. And basically, I don't know I don't know how he did it, but Steve Jackson got all kinds of licenses, you know, the, the horse clans of some of this, which is a, a book written by, I forget who, you know, almost all these fantasy authors and stuff, he would get the rights to do a, a setting for GURPS. You know, they have... a Discworld GURPS, right? They have... Uh, almost... I think Mikey bought me those. No, I did. Oh, you did? Okay. I did for you. Back before you used to role play. <laughs> and you go, these are neat. And go, yeah, maybe because you're a... Okay, so Jolene's a fan of Discworld, of Terry Pratchett. So I thought, oh, I, you know, this is before she really got into playing RPGs. And I thought it was a good way to entice her. It didn't work. Add that to the there's, collection. There's a whole bunch of books that he bought like that. <laughs> I bought, uh, uh, what is it? Buffy the Bam- Vampire Slayer. Yeah, I don't think I, oh yeah, I have that RPG, but that was a, a board game that we bought. Oh. And somebody bought it for you for your birthday because they knew you would like Buffy the Vampire yeah. Slayer. I was thinking of the Doctor one. Oh, Doctor Who. Oh, Doctor Who, yes. So that's the thing about Generic. about GURPS is that there are some of these going to, all these games are going to have that sort of similarity that they're very, you know, open-ended. They don't have, usually don't have character classes and... Uh, the weird thing about GURPS is that I forgot to look it up, but it, it's been it's been its fourth edition for an extremely long time. Uh, I'm gonna guess ten years at least. Probably came out in 2010. That's okay. Well, so for 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 a lot of people, that's great, right? Because then they don't have to deal with the new edition. So I I, I am all for that. <laughs> except so, except I really did like fifth edition, so I'm okay. <laughs> with, with... So the rules are static, right? They have not changed in a long time. Which is longer than most people would think an edition would last. For example, you know, uh, I hear people talk about D and D. Well, they got to come out with a new edition of D and D. Sixth edition should be coming out within a year or two. And I'm like, well, when did when did the fifth edition come out? 2011. So I guess the idea is every 10 years is when an edition should come out, or less than that sometimes, to keep the company generating money i don't know about that i I would say that i could see that but also like fourth edition for D was not i i mean some people really liked it right but it was very odd to me and you guys played third edition for years well there was third edition 3.5 and then pathfinder yeah so and that was between 2001 and 2012 i guess because i i kept playing pathfinder after fifth edition came out yes and i blame your son for getting us into fifth edition a lot of people th- uh, look at uh, gurps as being old-fashioned it's extremely crunchy to them but i think it's there's like a, like i said there's a ton of setting books and setting books are, are things that make it easier for the gm which i'll talk about later uh genesis that's kind of a newer game it's based on the i call it the funky dice system star wars system from edge of the empire Force and Destiny and Age of Rebellion. It's a dice pool game. So a lot of people like dice pool games. Some people don't. Uh, it's an inventive system. 
with the idea that you could succeed and still have like a complication or you could fail and still have like an advantage, right? We discussed that with the Star Wars games about, you know, how you how that is an interesting uh, mechan- aspect, mechanic yeah. and aspect of the game. Uh, funky dice are needed though, right? You got to buy those funky dice. They, uh, you could get the your regular dice and get it and have a chart to, you know, what is it? Explain what the dice rolls mean. You know, translate them to funky dice symbols. <laughs> but, but it's easier to buy the but funky it's dice. Just buy the dice, right? And do we really need more dice? Julian says yes, but Julian always says yes to dice. But I think that's a turn off for a lot of people. Well, it's like this. I can see that because the Star Trek dice are expensive. Yes, yes. And, and Star Wars dice must be expensive too. Well, they're like uh, for a set of Star Wars dice was like fourteen, fifteen. Depending on where you bought them, you can buy them online for about that much, and then if you go retail, they're like twenty bucks. Yeah. And is it? And it's like a set of dice. So. I but don't if know. you're really into that setting, then you're you you bought what like twenty sets of the Lord of the Rings dice. Yeah, I don't say twenty. I think about six. Okay. Uh, okay. It, yeah, maybe maybe you ten. You bought some more because you maybe were ten. giving them out to people, or you were going to give it to Cowie and. Yes. And well, I bought them on sale because they, they went out. Of, they were going out of business. Not out of business. They had lost the licenses. I see. So they couldn't sell some. So that was Genesis. Is the Genesis, is, the, is yes. the funky dice system? Funky dice system. And, and it's and it's also generic, right? When right. you make your characters. Right. You could put any genre you want in it. Okay. Right. And your next and your next pick is Cipher System. The Cipher System. Now Cipher System came out of Numenera, which is a fantastic game. I love the setting. The good thing about Cipher System that character creation to me seems extremely easy. There's a little bit of a crunchiness of uh, of being able to pick what you want. This one does have character classes as a as kinda. They call they have three character classes, and basically it's like. Uh, a jack of all trades it's a it's a warrior and then it's a, like a magic user though you know, take it for granted that those aren't what they call them they call them a nano glaive you do want to throw in different terms so it's a very cool idea uh with this gm intrusions right that's what they call them and basically anytime a situation could be made more interesting the gm will complicate the matter of the uh, during the adventure and he will intrude in on the role playing what's going on or in the action of the game and what he'll do is he'll make it he'll say well instead of this happening or he basically adds a complication he makes it difficult for the player who he is intruding on to complete the task or do something or what he's doing but this is not like free right the gm gives him two experience points and one experience points the, the player gives to himself, and the other one he has to give to a fellow player. And he has to give like an excuse of why that fellow player is going to get that uh, that extra experience points. And that's experience points you keep. Now, you could say no to the GM intrusion. And there's two ways I've heard it. Two ways that you either you, you don't get, obviously you don't get the experience, but you have to give up an experience point to say no to the GM intrusion. So either way, it's an interesting system. I think it, it's very good if you have players who are really into the game and really taking part of it, right? I think you really need what engaged players, right? We all want engaged players, but sometimes our games, you know, could be kind of boring or there's a low or the action isn't on specific character. So, but in this way, you're always going to be kind of paying attention because like, you know, 
the GM might look at you who is sitting in the back and hasn't done anything and just have your shield up and being extra cautious. And, uh, and he intrudes on you saying, you oh. behind the chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you who are always behind the door. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting system. Uh, it's really easy. You know, they, you know, it is basically a D20 system, you know, and they call, and they have a, he does something funny where, where he calls it like, this is a level one and level one means actually you got need a three or, or higher to succeed. And which system was this again? Uh, cipher system cipher okay so if you have like a, a level five a level five encounter whatever it is mm-hmm. it's you actually need a 15 or higher to succeed right? wow so and then when you mitigate that with your character's uh abilities so what you do and so it's really neat i think it's a really neat system i really liked it uh the only problem is there's not a lot of settings for it right cipher system is pretty new Bonnie Cook games, but if it's if it's generic, and you should be able to put anything you want in it, right? That's true. I'll get to that later. But uh, Bonnie Cook games is not a juggernaut of a of a company. Not that any role playing game is a juggernaut. I give you the Wizards of the Coast, and even they have you know. What about Chaosium and Wizards? No, Chaosium is also very small. It's basically run by just by the creators, right? Okay. I'm guessing most RPG companies are like really just. One or two man oper- person I operations. To, I tend to forget that RPG companies probably aren't huge because you know we spend a lot of time looking at all of these. Yes, it's amazing how much, how much they put out as far as companies and how the variety of games that there are are out there. But Monty Cook, like I said, you know, for his latest RPG, he usually does Kickstarter, but he's really well known. So his Kickstarters usually do really well. Another thing about his books is they're, they're freaking gorgeous, right? They have like the art, the books, you know, they, they're glossy uh, pages. He is a, a creator of RPGs and, you know, he loves RPGs. I mean, he goes well, back. And everyone we've talked to who either has done a Kickstarter or has got their game published through somebody, they talked about that. I can't remember people's names right now. The only one I can think of is Brand- Brandon. Brandon. Yeah. And um, and then there was the lovely man that we talked to from um, Black Void. Oh, yes. Chris, uh, Christopher? Don't remember. Savaltson. Yes. <laughs> Sal makes me talk to a lot of people and I'm really bad with names. So I really apologize if you're listening. But um, they've always talked about both, you know, both of them have yes. talked about how important it is to have the art and the to have the the designing and the marketing and that kind of right. thing to make the games appeal to people so but not that you know role playing role players will i'm going to say if they're interested in either the system or the genre they're going to buy it no matter what it looks like most likely probably but the better that it the better the art the better the marketing the better all of that kind of stuff is probably going to help right right i think especially you know, for kickstarter especially nowadays versus back in the 70s when you know you got the little tiny books that were typed up on a typewriter yeah you know, mimeograph right yeah, you know yeah. you got that big old drum going <laughs> and and stapled together right and yes, look at yeah. D&D yeah yeah D&D was a Gary Gygax had to borrow all his money to put out a thousand or 2500 boxes and then he he didn't have the boxes that he wanted, so he went to some place and got these uh, boxes from like some hobby store or something like that. And they're, they're now 
the coveted wood grain boxes, right? right? right. And he yeah. stuck a sticker that said D&D <laughs> on the front. Now you can't, you know, you'll pay like $2,500 for those yeah, boxes. Yeah. But, you know, but he was just trying to start out. But that was a different time, right? Yeah, now, now with Kickstarter and, and all and of the... geeks have a lot of money. <laughs> Some nerds. Well, and even if they don't, they right. know what they like and they know what they want to buy, right? And what they're going to spend their money on. Yeah, but I've I've often no, we're getting sidetracked, but I often lamented the idea that a lot of a lot of uh, RPGers are kind of like tightwads, right? They don't want to spend money. For example, uh, Kenneth Height, he says, uh, somebody told us that he believes that that books should be like coffee table books. I forget which, who we interviewed that said that. It was uh, Marcus Bone. Yes, and that that the yeah exactly that they should cost like an rpg book should cost a hundred and something dollars because gamers love that wonderful art they like the quality books and the fact that most you know rpg books now even the the nice big ones cost between 60 and 70 dollars really shouldn't be that big of a deal for a somebody who likes books right because when we go to barnes and noble when we used to go to barnes and noble before COVID, we used to go buy books, and you could buy a paperback with almost no art except for the cover, right? Mm-hmm. And you're paying $16 for a black and white novel, right? With almost no artwork. Some some might have artwork in the middle, but I really... I usually pay $16. I usually pay buy the cheaper ones for eight ninety nine or seven ninety nine. Yeah, but they range to like fifty nine yes, nine, right? If you look at the you look at the difference between a a novel. And uh, uh, basically, I think most novels are around fifteen dollars these days. If you buy the big ones, the, the ones that size. Augustine likes, yes, the size, yeah. not the not the old size. No, not the little paperbacks like from Which the seventies. The usual ones that I buy, but the bigger format ones. Yes, and and you compare that size and the type of paper and all that to a, a role playing and nicely like let's say Numenera. You know, there is you know. And Numenera costs like sixty bucks. Well, not even Numenera, just 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 D and D. Well, look at the D and D books, yeah. right? You know, they cost fifty bucks. And some of the nicer ones, I mean, the paper they they choose the paper yes. they want, oh, and, yeah. they, and the the ink, the thicker, and the and the, yeah. and the, and the art the yeah. art alone should cost a lot more. Yeah. So you shouldn't really complain about a sixty dollar role playing book. Only if your husband buys like six of them at a time, then you can complain. Or if your wife does, then you know you're allowed to complain too. So I don't know how we got sidetracked, but I, anyway, uh, Numenera. I mean Numenera, but Cipher System are really pretty books that Monty Cook comes out with. Uh, if you like Monty Cook and if you like his uh, his ideas, then you know Cipher System is a good system for you. Okay, did you did is that your last system or you no, got more? I still okay. got more, baby. Okay, okay, because you skipped one that I have here, the hero system. I haven't got to that one yet. Okay, there's no skippage. Okay. So then there's Savage Worlds, right? I think Savage, Savage Worlds, Worlds yes. is a new hotness. I mean, it's an old hotness, but it's like super on fire right now because they just came out with their new edition called Suede. Which is Savage Worlds Adventures Edition, something or other. I don't know. I don't know, but they, but on the Facebook, the Facebook group, I, I the one that I'm in, I'm sure there's more. Um, <laughs> they just came out with the with a dead with some Deadlands stuff. Well, the Deadlands got kickstarted, and it's a Savage Worlds one, right? Right for the new Savage Worlds. Well, these people are going nuts over it. Really? Well, well not that I, I'm looking at the Deadland book. I can't show us all this because he's gonna want it. I really wanted to kickstart it. I mean, I'm kind of kicking myself in the in the foot that I didn't kickstart. But see, this is the problem. 
So I was going to kickstart. What was it? Oh, my God. I'm drawing a blank. The Rifts, Savage Worlds, which is they had a box and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Put all kinds of books in it, tokens, all this other crap. And then the problem is, is that they switched systems or they they came out with a new edition. That was Savage Worlds uh, Deluxe Explorers Edition that you could use those rules for. That And that was a that's a great selling point for Savage Worlds when they had that little book. Mm-hmm. Right. That little book was cost less than 15 bucks. If you could search around, you could probably buy it for eleven ninety nine, and literally you could give one to everybody in your in your group. If you had eight people, you spend less than a hundred bucks, and everybody has a book. That's eight. That's a huge group, though. More like six, right? Yeah, yeah. And I know people who would give those books out, you know, at the at a convention. You know, if they had a table of four people, and they were really into Savage Worlds, and they want to spread the love, right? It was super cheap, but you know. They figured out that they couldn't do that no more because it was they weren't making enough money. They were selling a lot of books, but selling a lot of books at fifteen bucks or eleven dollars, you know. And then you got you know they take a cut of that, so they went back to their lo- normal large, uh, standard size uh, book, and like the new suede edition cost like forty bucks, you know, which is still not expensive for a major role playing game. But now after the new edition, they can't. They're starting to come out with. Deadlands that's yes for suede, which which is kind of weird because you know I have Deadlands Reloaded, which is a perfectly good system. There so go. that was my problem. That's why I didn't <laughs> kickstart the Deadlands one, even though it looked really cool. So Savage Worlds. So Savage Worlds. It's I think it's super simple. The rules basically you need a roll of four or something to hit, you know, and you have the you have the wild die and then you have your uh, attribute and boom, that's it. That's all you get. You just gotta roll over that so that number. Uh, you know, they, they've they tweaked the rules that there was this uh, idea for Savage Worlds about shaking. People hated being shaken, right? Because once you were shaken, there was absolutely nothing you could do until you were unshaken. And so basically, it was like me. <laughs> it was like me casting a uh, whole person on Alan every time I got him, right? So every time I had Alan, who was a big, beefy fighter with a very low wisdom, I would throw a whole person on him. And practically make him cry because he couldn't roll uh, his save. Because his wisdom was so low. Save, he couldn't roll his save. So that, that, that was the same problem with Savage Worlds and Shaken. Because the character and the player were stuck doing nothing while the character tries to recover from being, you know, shaken. Oh, excuse me, baby, I'm shaken. Right? So if you didn't make that roll, you just like every round, okay, what are you going to do? I'm going to try to become unshaken. Roll. <laughs> oh, damn, I didn't become unshaken. I'm so, still shaking. <laughs> so I'm still shaking. I'm shaking here, baby. So you could, So that was a big problem. I, they fixed it in the new rules. And in fact, before the new rules came out, they had fixed it already. They came out with an error, errata. And I thought, it, I thought that was beautiful. It did work. So they did all kinds of little tweaks in here and there for the new suede edition. I personally have not played in the new suede book using the new suede book but from you obviously have on our savage world site they obviously love it it's probably sold very well the deadlands was a mega hit you know as far as the kickstarter the most interesting thing i find about the savage world's uh facebook site that that i have liked and get tons of things on my page now is (laughs) (laughs) everybody's always looking for ideas for genres for it right? right and and so and the other thing that for savage worlds i think is that it's so open sometimes it might be hard to create your character because each time you go to create a character or you go to do a a a campaign or a game and people are making characters for it 
the the GM literally has to step in and say, okay, this one's not, you're not using this one. Oh, yeah. You can't use this one. Right. Because there's so much stuff. So a lot of people might find it daunting unless you start with a group that is the Savage Worlds aficionado group, right? right. And then they, they have all that down. So I think that could be a little bit daunting for someone who's just, it may not be, I mean, it's generic, but it might just be a little bit too, but you're going to have a, a resource book with the, for whatever you want to run. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe. So so that's what I was going to say. So just like GURPS, uh, uh, Suede, uh, Savage Worlds has a ton of setting books, right? Rifts, it has, re, uh, you know, something reloaded. The Deadlands, it has, you know, just a lot of different settings and is it it's appealing it's appealing and if you're like if you like a setting and you're like and you you find one that kind of fits what you want to do like you know i don't know uh the victorian era cyberpunk right if they have that setting then you don't have to do as much work as as if they didn't have that setting book which i'll talk to you later about about most most of these let's say it's super easy it's super popular uh you could go to uh any convention well back when we can go back to conventions and there's a lot of Savage World games around. There's people who love it. There's a lot of, there's, they have their own podcasts and stuff like that. So super easy to get into. Really nice system. Uh, a lot of people like it. Next is the Hero System, which we're, I'm going way back to Hero. Hero uh, is a, comes off of a, of a superhero game, right? And it's very crunchy. Uh, there's a lot of setting books. Uh, it's an older system, so, you know, a lot of people... 1989. Like, 1989. Well, that's kind of older. Uh, not as popular as it used to be, you know, uh, because of, because of the combat can take a long time. Because you know, superhero combat is really cool when you, you know when you kind of going in slow motion. Probably not so cool if you want not a huge, uh, hugely or fast frenetic type of action, right? Not if you have to stop and simulate the battle because it's going to take a lot of. Or unless you, unless you you're John Woo and do gun battles in slow motion, so then you're okay. That's true. Right. I totally forgot about Fate. Fate is super simple. Well, it's an indie game. It's I think it's simple mainly because I ignore half the rules. And there's also okay. Fudge. Fudge, yeah, okay. Fudge and Fate are basically the same thing. Okay. Uh, fudge, Fate came out of Fudge. You talked about BRP, so that's cool. What are these? all these have in common? Jolene already hit on one was as a GM... These are generic role-playing games, right? So they're going to have stuff from, like, multi-genres. So let's just take Savage, Words, Savage Worlds, for example. Right. If you're going to... They have everything in there, right? Right. So, but if you're playing a, a Western game or you're playing a... a well, Western. A, just say Western. Say, so if you're playing a Western game, you're going to want to take out all the space stuff to or start with. computers, right? And dinosaurs. And, you know, you're going to want to... If you're... If you're okay, players, make a character... And, and it, oh, can I take computers in my Western no, game? You uh, no, you can't. No, that's we'll not the Played in the 1800s. Sorry. <laughs> so, so, so there's setting. They call them setting rules in Savage Worlds, I believe. And so, basically, there's rules. You know, th this is not allowed because it doesn't fit the genre. And that's something the GM has to, you know, more or less, he has to go through the skill list and the hindrances and the advantages and go, okay, you X this one out, X this one out. For the Literally, genre. they're going to have to do that because you got mini maxers out there who are going to do, you know, oh, it's right here. Oh, no, you can't have that one. Sorry. Right. And because there's no implied setting, you either have to come up with your own setting or you have to buy a setting, which can be, you know, for the person running the game. It could be 
a good thing or bad thing, depending on how much work you want to put into the game. And I know Saul is, Saul is right. He said it before. A lot of people stick to the same system. So I know that there's people out there who's been playing GURPS since it came out. Yes. And the, so they already have whatever genre they like to play, right? So they've been playing it for 20 years and they might switch every once in a while, but that's their... They, they have it down for whatever they are doing. Right. So it's the same thing with Savage Worlds. If you're a Deadlands fan or whatever your setting is, you're the GM and the group that you're with probably has run it before. And if they haven't, they may, it may take a little while to gel to get everything to, to work right. Right. Yes. Uh, usually making characters in this game is a little bit harder than most other games because they try to be open. Uh, Making a character in generic game is a little bit tougher because usually there's no classes. And classes help you like pigeonhole or get you going in the right direction, right? If you if you want like if like Dungeons and Dragons, oh I want to be a wizard. Okay, here are three classes that are wizards. So they kinda narrow the scope of, of everything, right? Of the the skills you're gonna be available to you or the skills that you're gonna want. And the what rules you that need, you want to need. What right? you need for that character, right? But in GURPS, in Savage World, there is no. You just make a character, and basically you can make the character that you want, but be, but there's that problem of the whole. all the rules are open to you, so you have to make a decision, and that could be daunting to some people. I would, I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to say that I wouldn't like that. But then again, I just rolled up a Traveler character, so... <laughs> there's no choice. <laughs> which was like brutal and and brutal i mean by the poor character my dice rolls were not well well so. my dice rolls were, i think the highest one i have is a nine i don't i didn't even yeah. get a nine after four tours of duty all i got was three skills i couldn't even make it to <laughs> i only got through two tours of duty so and i only got yeah i didn't give very many skills i mean there's the difference right right there's the the no choice no and, choice and too many choices yes that's the idea that you Everything is open to you, right? You know, in the, in creating a character, and for people who don't have an, a good idea of the character that they want, it could be problematic, right? If you're new to it, and you're going to need to get a lot of help for that, right? Too many choices for players. You know, I, I I don't consider that a bad thing, but for new players or people new to the system, or if they've only played Dungeons and Dragons, which was kind of pigeonholed you into yeah whatever class you want. Then you know it yeah, just might be a little bit. If you're different. used to making a Dungeons and Dragons character, and all of a sudden you have all of these things open to you, it might take you a little while to to figure out what you want to do and how to do it, and you might get that analysis paralysis that they talk about all the right. time. But other than that, I think Genex games, you know, are really cool. I think they fit a very good niche in the RPG industry. And like I said, if you want to go from uh, Deadlands to running a science fiction game in Savage Worlds, you can pretty easily. And there's settings for almost everything in Savage right, Worlds. Right, and, and And even um, GURPS, right? Oh, yeah. GURPS has a ton of and settings. And like you said, Monty Cook it comes out with stuff and, and Steve Jackson. And yeah, Steve Jackson. Steve Jackson's GURPS. Yeah, so, but, but like I said, you know, it makes it easy if you can buy a book that has the settings and has all the rules that are changed in that setting for that particular... Unless genre. you want to make your own world, which is really <laughs> hard in my opinion, but well, go for it if you really want to. Yeah, exactly. I really like generic games, but do I run a lot of generic games? I don't think I do. You run hybrid <laughs> generic games. You you take them, you pick and choose what you want. Well, yeah. Like for Dresden and stuff. So. so I think it's a good thing to look at them. I think it's a good way of, 
if you don't want to learn, like, you know, that was one of my biggest uh, players complaint back in the back early was, oh, you bought another game. We got to learn a new rule system. And then you can go, no, this is the same rule system as the one before. But instead of instead of knights, now we're spies. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, they go. Yeah. The same same dice you roll, the same dice mechanic. And that's the big deal, right? The mechanic. And then, you know, you could easily roll, make a character if you've already made a character for a different genre. This is what generic systems are all about. I think if you're looking for a game system, uh, take a look at generic game systems. Uh, I think they will, will help you if you are real, if you and your players are tired of learning new games, pick one of these that you like or fits your style of play. They all have a little bit of a different style, how action goes and how the task resolution is. Grab some, grab some dice, your friends and, have a new generic system there you go and you know you can find anything about it and read about it online or a youtube video i'm sure so yes there you are have fun and good luck (laughs) this is gaming perspectives with saul and jolene (laughs) 